Hey, y'all. Emily here. I just waved like you could see me. Anyways, I hate to break the silence. <laughs> Get it? Because we're doing silence. The music. Anyways, Chelsea isn't here to stop my bad jokes. But I'm here to tell you that Chelsea and I are so excited to be hosting a special Halloween happy hour on Halloween on Saturday, October 31st at 1 p.m. Central Time. And we'll be doing this on Zoom for patrons. Uh, we would like to th say thank you to our patrons who support us every month, including Sydney, Allison, Noah, Brandon, Victoria, Mama Lang, Mama Hardy, Mama Keen, and Andy. Thank you so much for your support. And you can support us too and join them at www.patreon.com slash winesanddolls. The special party is for all patrons, so tiers actually start only at $2. There will even be a costume contest where you can win some special swag. We have, we have some great swag coming. So please join us for the cheers and the booze. We can't wait to see you. Okay, back to silence. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a double one time drop. Oh. Hello, friends. Uh, okay. So. Oh, is it, am I starting? Yeah. <laughs> How do we start this podcast? I don't know. I always it's forget. It's different every time. I know. We say Hi. something stupid I say, and well, then we start. You just open your mouth and we, we get there. <laughs> The shade. Hi, welcome to Wines and Dolls. That's Chelsea Lerner. <laughs> That's Emily. What's her face? <laughs> Shit, she doesn't know my last name. Wow. <laughs> well, it changes every day. So much for our friendship. And we're Emily here. Lying. And we're here with Buffy and Chad. That's right. Gib Lansons. <laughs> Wrong. We're here with Rachel Landon and Chris Gibson, known as the Gib Lansons. World renowned as the Gib Lansons. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, to start off, hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? I don't know. You poured me some wine. It is Nice Winery Notorious Chardonnay Notorious. 2017. Yes. It's really good. It's been in my fridge, uh -huh. so it's it's okay. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the Notorious <laughs> Nice Winery Gee, Notorious Chardonnay. Gee, imagine that. A G. Sponsor us, please. We'll see. All right. Hey, Texas. Cheers. Because cheers. it's no longer Sober September for Ooh, us. Yeah. So we're three episodes. Four up. This is our this fourth is episode. This is our last episode of the month. So we did this backwards. We did. We definitely recorded in the wrong order, but that's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> That's all right. So it's the first time drinking, but we also were probably drinking last week, too. So oh, yeah. Be good. Oh, yeah, we were. Um, hey, Rachel and, and Gibby. Gib Lansons. Gib Lansons. And Kitty. And Kitty. What are you drinking? So I think your cat just started licking oh, whatever you wasted. have there. Um, this is, I'm a notorious uh, bottom shelf liquor drinker. I, uh, I'm proud uh, to say that quantity uh, is superior to uh, quality. Um, and uh, so uh, this is a, this is a bottom shelf <laughs> bourbon. Heaven I, Hill. Yep, I drink it regularly. And it's, and it's not Ooh. just because it's bottom shelf, but my grandmother I uh, kept a uh, a bottle of Heaven Hill under the kitchen sink, and I would be tasked when I was five or six years old. I'd be tasked with making Grandma a Coke, and it would be basically mixing her a Heaven Hill and Coke. And uh, so when I found it in 
Pennsylvania. I moved back to Pennsylvania and found it on the shelf. I was like, well, I have to have this. It is, um, I want to say it's $16 for a handle. $16.99. For a handle. That a is plastic cheap. handle. $16.99. And, uh, Good. Yeah, God. so we put a little seltzer water, and, uh, and then uh, Rachel always gets uh, maraschino cherries and a healthy portion of uh, cherry juice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That sounds... That's very fancy. good. I'm imagining fancy. you making your grandmother a uh, bourbon and Coke, but it's just the bourbon, but you have frozen the Coke into Ooh, ice cubes. No, I'm imagining. And like, now I'm imagining a really great drink. Yeah. I'm imagining a very young Chris going Morgan to the fridge, that. going, chugging I the want two a liter. Coke. I just want a Coke. <laughs> bourbon. I learned very young. It's a family like trait that's passed down to me, drinking bourbon uh, just in the middle of the day. Isn't, as, that, isn't as, that what 2020 is? That's your family was ahead They've of the time. Been known as that. You're yeah. the trendsetter. Mm-hmm. Quite, 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 quite. So you guys are y'all are coming to us from Pittsburgh. Yeah. HBGPA. Yeah. Harrisburg, the capital of the uh, great commonwealth of uh, Pennsylvania. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry, not Pittsburgh. No. That's a different place. You Harrisburg. Y'all, y'all are in Harrisburg? Yeah. I was what? born there. Shut up. What? Yeah. And I lived in York, York. where the donkeys York are. Part of the tri-city area, definitely the uh, the dirtiest of the three fingers of the tri-state area. York is a rough town. <laughs> it's uh, it's um, rough and tumble though. I love it York. Makes a lot of sense. Oh boy, it's got a lot of hair. Well, I had I had a I had quite the ass in our backyard, and I took several tumbles. Aww. Would you have in your backyard? <laughs> what the fuck? We hadn't we had an ass. We had a donkey in our backyard. <laughs> you had a donkey in your backyard. <laughs> what the hell? We had a donkey that lived in our back. It was okay, so it was backed up to like an Am- Amish like farm. Do. So I'd go out and feed the feed oh, the donkey, God. but I fell a hole. I fell into a hole and I tumbled. <laughs> so it was rough. So it was the oh rough gosh, ass man. tumble. A typical <laughs> York story. Yes, yeah. a typical York. We got there. Yeah. We got there. <laughs> rough ass yeah. tumble. God. It was a long walk, but worthwhile. Yeah. Hey Emily. Hey Chelsea. What are you whining about? Ha! I asked it first. What am I whining about? I actually didn't see that coming at all. I'm whining. I love it when I surprise you. That my brain has been going from like A to Z recently. So you say one thing and I tell you a story that is it takes a long road to connect it. <laughs> Just like the rough but ass tumble. But, we, but we, we, we tumble and rumble all the way there. Tumble and rumble. Hey, Charles. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? Oh, it's a, I guess it's a good whine. I'm, I'm whining that I have a lot of work. A lot of work. I have a lot of work. Oh, yeah. You went back to work today. I did. I went back to work at the church I work for. You look nice. You smell nice. Oh, my God. Thanks. <laughs> I showered for once. I was like, wait, I have to put on makeup today. What do I do? That? How do I? I don't know where things I are. I can't see the flaking dry shampoo coming out of your hair. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot of dry shampoo in my hair, actually. Oh, okay. I didn't feel like actually, I didn't feel like washing it. But also, like, I'm taking on a lot of projects that I didn't know I would have to take on. Like like Rachel. evil spread evil spread ah. you can go follow evil spread yeah. so at evil spread on Instagram on Instagram there was it was totally worth the follow totally cooking sh- the the totally groovy cooking show well, that's enough about you though hey Giblanton hey. hey Emily and Chelsea what are you whining about. Um, our cat will oh, not leave the microphone. Can you hear the cat <laughs> in the cat microphone? just purred into the mic. Yes. Yes. I'm whining that my cat will not get off this table. And here's a cat. Oh, my God. Here comes another one.
I have a dream of producing a version, like, a, you know how, like, in Houston, I would do all these minimalist musicals. I want to do, like, a minimalist version of Cats, like, set in, like, a post-apocalyptic America. So it's, like, Mad Max meets uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I bet Sean Ramos would do it with me. Oh, you know Sean. Yeah, you know This American Catland. Yeah. There it is. Katanis. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, is that what you're whining about? Is your, your post-apocalyptic yeah, sure. Always. I'm always whining about Cats, yeah. though. Yeah. I'm wh- okay. I'm whining about something different. <laughs> I don't want to get political, but I am going to whine about something. As a uh, mm. theatrical and video producer, I'm sure uh, uh, both of you will understand that in this day and age, <laughs> that uh, nobody in our um, government is smart enough to understand that there is a mute button on a microphone, and that if you need somebody to stop interrupting somebody else, you simply mute them. Otherwise, you are encouraging that kind of behavior. And any adult who has ever worked in uh, entertainment production knows this. And so we all know Mm -hmm. what's going on. That's what I'm whining about today. So just to recap, we all know this now that you can mute the people on stage. We we all know this. So just for our listeners to remind you what we're talking about right now, you can be muted and we should be muting those who are over talking each other. Coming from an Enneagram 9 over here, there is also the option to just go ahead and mute your television if you want to take matters into your own Well, hands. that leaves all the excitement out. <laughs> exactly. That's but true. that could be fun. Just mute the debate. And then we, you ad-lib. In- and then you ad-lib with a, a friend. Oh, sort of like overdub it and put in the uh, the, the thoughtful yeah. uh, discussion that you would like to hear. You know, sort of like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. you have an elevator pitch for us? Yeah, tell us about you. Can you do it? If you're sure. in the elevator. Okay. So, um, hi, I'm Rachel Landon, and I work at a uh, small professional theater company in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm on staff there, and my husband is as well. Husband sitting next to me, Chris Gibson. We're married to To each each other. other. So, like many theater companies, we are uh, shut down for in-person performances. Um, And that was a decision that uh, we made as a staff and a board Um, for the safety of our artists and our patrons because our theater isn't big enough to social distance and be able to um, serve more than 25 people serve more than 25 people so um, we are currently doing a completely free completely online season um, which you can actually watch through our youtube channel Um, so that's youtube.com slash openstagehbg and we open next week uh, october 9th um, and we should be running through the 25th. So when this airs, it should be, you should be able to catch it for a few more days and you can watch it completely for free. Um, or you can make a donation to help keep theater alive in central PA. It's a scary time, but it's also really exciting. Um, as many people out there know, it's a challenging time for artists to try new things, um, such as podcasts, uh, radio plays. Um, in our case, we are doing uh, very similar to what the BBC used to do back in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, where they used to um, uh, film plays and uh, put them uh, on television for people to watch. We've maintained the theatricality by shooting it on stage with stage lighting, stage effects, that kind of stuff. So it really has Mm -hmm. the feel of watching live theater as opposed to film, which I think is really fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we are uh, doing it very similarly uh, to kind of, 
how a lot of theater companies got started, um, which is everything's kind of insular. We're um, all the actors, we're the production team, we are the writers and directors and editors. There's five of us on staff full time. Uh, my father, Wayne Landon, who many people in Houston know, he's a technically a, a full-time volunteer. So it's... Uh, um, he works as much as any. He works as much as any of us. So here's some career questions for y'all. Um, they're just answer as you will. Um, what inspired you to get into the performance industry? Um, I've been doing theater since I was in first grade. I always knew what I was going to do. I was going to be an actor, but just ended up being a theatrician, a person who does theater. Um, you know, so I, uh, um, and, and, and by that, I mean, you know, all forms production to uh, cleaning the bathrooms and everything in between and getting on stage and directing all this stuff, teaching. But, um, uh, I started, uh, uh, you know, acting in first grade, went to graduated high school, went to a conservatory in New York and uh, left that and went to back to Tampa and started producing, uh, well, working for a, an alternative theater company called The Loft, uh, which really kind of got my, uh, got me cutting my teeth on production and, and producing my own theater as well as uh um, uh, sort of working at that at that level, sort of that SRO level of about 120 seats, um, has been sort of a sweet spot mm -hmm. for me for pretty much my entire career, um, and I just love that that's that's a frame of uh, theater you know what I mean that that intimacy between a small audience and a small cast and uh, so I've been very much in that kind of stuff all my life I left uh, uh, Tampa and went and uh, produced the Orlando International Fringe Festival for. Um, about five years and um, and then we developed a show at the fringe that we all love so much uh, the entire cast moved to Texas and we took the show with us and toured it and it was an illegal adaptation of uh, Henry Miller's The Smile at the Foot of the Ladder we called it the uh, Whore with the Flowers or La Putana avec la Fleur in French and we toured it French festivals <laughs> and uh, we toured it all over Austin uh, and uh, uh, I don't think we ever made it to Houston but um but uh, we did that show for, for several years. And then I, I started working in, uh, uh, in Austin at uh, um, uh, this touring show called The Intergalactic Nemesis, which is ultimately where I met Rachel. And, um, and then we moved up, got married to each other. And then we uh, moved up here to Pennsylvania and have been working for the same family-run theater company ever since. That's me. Y'all are relationship goals. I, I know. I was like sitting here, I was like, you have the coolest life in the entire world mm -hmm. Rachel how about fun. you what got you into the performance industry yeah <laughs> um, I had a uh, a childhood in community theater as many people did um, started uh, when I was about seven or eight uh, doing after school stuff in community theater when I lived in Oklahoma and I was just really jealous because my brother um, got into it before I did and he was getting all the attention so I decided that I would get into theater too, because I was also an attention whore. So I um, did that and <laughs> basically grew up in community theater and um, had a teacher in high school uh, who asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, well, maybe I want to be a marine biologist or maybe I want to play soccer professionally because back then I was very athletic. And <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> thought, you know, I, I could go a million different places and then she's like, no, you're going to be an actor. I don't know why she asked. She had the answer. <laughs> <Wow>. Okay. <laughs> Any advice 
uh, for all the young artists who listen, for the youths who listen to our podcast. (laughs) I would say um, Uh that uh, what we know is uh, theaters doesn't exist anymore. So start creating your own stuff. Start figuring it out. Start making something up Mm -hmm. new because whatever somebody our age knows of theater doesn't exist anymore. And it probably isn't coming back. We could sugarcoat it and act and hope like it will, but it probably won't. Not in our lifetime, at our lifetime, maybe in the mm-hmm. the youths. But it'll be what they create of it. So they should start just not waiting and not listening to anybody older than them, and just start doing whatever they yeah. want to do and start m- and making it happen. They have more access and more yeah. facility with the technology than we do anyway, so it's effortless for them. Um, and so there's the advice is um, don't wait, wait, don't wait around for advice. Just start doing it. Yeah. Just do it. Don't wait around I, for advice. You know, Just do it. That's good advice. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What is the background of silence? That's what a great it? fucking mu- musical question. It's a great musical. What, I've, what makes... What is silence? Is silence... Shh. Are they born Shh. silent? Or do they have silence thrust upon, upon them? them? Silence, the musical... A satire on the 1991 Academy Award-winning film, The Silence of the Lambs, was created in 2005 by John and Al Kaplan. They're brothers. They Are actually, they? yeah, they're brothers. They, uh, they like to parody movies into musicals. They parodied Arnold Schwarzenegger's films such as Conan the Barbarian, Predator, and Commando, apparently. <laughs> Commando, I can only imagine how <gasps> naked that was. Al actually scored and co-wrote the film Zombievers and the Drone. Zombievers is hilarious. I have no idea what that is. It's a movie. It's a B-horror film. It's just, just, it's awful. The book is written by none other than Hunter Bell. Who is Hunter Bell, Chelsea? I love Hunter Bell. He's from the musical. Title of show. I forgot the name. He's the hunter of Hunter Hunter Bell. in title of show. Title and the title of I've been drinking. The production opened off Broadway in 2005, but it began development in 2003 as an internet musical made up of nine songs that retold the entire story oh. of Silence of the Lambs. The audio tracks became so popular from the YouTube that a live show was conceived and staged. And they had added six additional songs that were written by the Kaplans, and then that's when they brought in Hunter Bell to write the book uh, based on the original screenplay, Silence, the musical. This musical is so silly. There is a stage musical premiere in New York at the Lucille Lortel Theater in 2005 as part of the New York International Fringe Festival and showed until August 28th, 2005. So it opened August 12th and showed until August 28th, quite the popular production kind of a short run but kind of short it was run. there <laughs> sure i was like it's a, it's a very silly it was, it was two weeks long yeah <laughs> um but it had its european premiere in london Ooh. in 2009 um which was i'm impressed it made it to london i know it was conveniently in october and it ran for two weeks at the baron's court theater there's an off-broadway mounting of the show that opened June 24th through September 26, 2011 at Theater 80, directed and choreographed by Christopher Gatelli, who also directed and choreographed in London. And he was the director of the original production in 2005. Oh, lovely. Oh, he just moves around with this thing. 
After its show off-Broadway at Theater 80, it then transferred to the Ninth Space Theater at PS 122, October 24th, 2011. And then it reopened January of 2013 at the Electra Theater in New York City Times Square. And it ran from January 18th, 2013 through August 13th. That's surprising. I'm shocked that it was it was actually at the at the Jabe Theater at the Strauss Center. Um, that that was up in 2015, and then we have some subsequent performances um, that are in Chicago, San Francisco, and Western Canada. Yeah, you may not have heard of this musical before, but it is quite it's international. Quite the musical, and awards that went out to this musical include the 2005 Outstanding Musical for the New York International Fringe Festival for songs songs uh, such as "I'd Fuck Myself." Interesting. 2011. It's I fucked me. Uh, I'd fuck me. I'm so sorry. I fucked up. But I'd Did fuck you me. Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. 2011. Times Magazine top ten plays and musicals. 2011. And the award for 2012 Off Broadway Alliance Award for Best Musical. And then Los Angeles Drama Critics Circle Award in 2012 for musical score, lead performance, and choreography. The cast uh, included Brent Barrett as Hannibal Lecter, Jen Harris as Clarice, Stephen Bienski as Buffalo Bill, Deirdre Goodwin as Ardelia Mapp, Jeff Hiller, Howard Kay Howard as Papa Sterling, Sherling, Lucia Spina in a dual role as both Senator and Catherine Martin, Senator being Catherine Martin's mother, Callan Bergman as Jack Crawford, Harry Boovey as Dr. Chilton and an Ashley ensemble of Dupree. Ashley Dupree. <laughs> One single ensemble. I think it was Ashley Dupree and Jeff Hiller. Yeah, yeah. There's You can put as many or as few ensemble members in this as you want, and they all play different characters. As many as you can pay. As many as you can pay or not. And there is an album available that features the original nine tracks for fun only, not for sale. You can also find it on YouTube which is where I found it, because it's definitely not on iTunes. Link in show notes. <laughs> That's all there is. Okay, drunk silence. <laughs> That's my Drunk drums. silence is the name of my autobiography. <laughs> Who's ready to talk about Never Silence, did. the musical? Does this mean you're going to be quiet, Chelsea? I'm trying to readjust. Never. It's I like will, cage 433. I will never. I will never be silent. I know, unfortunately, you for the rest of us. You can't silence me. <gasps> right. All right. So we jump in to silence the musical with the song Silence. It scared the shit right out of you. And it's sung by the lambs. 
So in your in your production, I do believe you had yes. lamb chop yes, we did. puppets. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that typical for um, the show? The original off Broadway production had uh, they did have lamb puppets, but the ensemble portrayed the lambs, and that's very similar to what we did. Um, and the off Broadway production ran for for many many years. And um, gosh, it was like one of the longer running off-Broadway shows back in the early 2000s, I think. Um, and uh, so, yes, that, that was typical. I don't know if they had the lamb chop lambs. And that was a specific choice by the director, I believe. We're already talking about lambs in a movie that didn't actually have lambs um, in it. Yeah. So. That was actually one of our bigger line items was buying uh, 10 lamb chop puppets from Amazon. Yeah. You're welcome, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so silence with the ensemble brings us into kind of this, just we get the idea. It's a campy yeah. musical, yeah. right? And brings us into the shit. How would you describe a campy musical? Give Lanson's. Uh, um, I think that uh, a good campy musical, a good, uh, you know, satire um, will make you cringe and laugh at the same time. Which this show does. So camping makes me cringe and laugh at the same time. So I guess that translates to campy musicals. What? Cool. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was. <laughs> this is it. An actual assignment. Wow. The thing that I that I loved, Rachel, you played Clarice in this, and when you come into the song, the sh, the sh, it's actually written this is yeah. it. You have. Tell us about tell us about that yes, about what's happening, happening right now, <laughs> and why you have uh, this accent. So, uh, if you've never seen the original film from 1991, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, go watch mm-hmm. it. It is a phenomenal piece of horror. It's a phenomenal film. Deserved every award it got. A great book too, actually. And um, uh, but the amazing Jodie Foster played Clarice Starling. And um, she had kind of adopted um, a little bit of an accent for it, um, but she just naturally has a little bit of a a speech impediment. Um, So in the off-Broadway production, they really amped up that speech impediment. And um, it was, yeah, it was very, so everything that she shares is first of all, very like, uh, it, it's like, I don't even know where this accent came from, but it, uh, it, it's, it was a lot of fun to do and very offensive. And I apologize to anyone who has a speech impediment. Um, but, you know, again, we go back to, a, I guess, a good satire offends everybody. And um, this, this uh-huh. offends exactly. Jodie like Foster awkward. fans and people with speech impediments. So um, show this is it is about her being assigned a major case uh, through the FBI. She's a uh, trainee. Uh, and she is assigned a case at Quantico. Uh, at Quantico, where the FBI trained. Ooh. And uh, I had a, a really fun, quick change because there's a, an opening montage in the movie where she's running the um, the obstacle course. And Jodie Foster is a, a very slight person. She's small and skinny, and uh, and so a lot of um, you know there was a lot of social commentary about her being a woman in the FBI. This was the early '90s, so oh my gosh, a woman in the FBI, and uh, yeah, a bit a of a China, which we'll get to later. So she uh, she has to go uh, to the FBI director's office, and uh, she's in her sweats, 
And uh, in the movie, she goes, you know, straight to the FBI director and she's all sweaty and she's like, yes, sure, no, sure. And like, uh, and he gives her this assignment and she's, she's ready to prove herself as a young woman, right? So that's what the song is about. Um. And I'll do it all just to make my dear dead papa proud. She should. She should. Uh, which leads us into the right guide. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Uh, play. So listen up, there's just a few procedurals to follow. If you get too close, he'll grab your face and bite and chew and swallow. So in the novel and the movie, Chilton is kind of driven by his own ego and he keeps Lecter uh, kind of tucked away in like his prize possession as a, a psychologist and a psychiatrist. I don't remember what he is, but so the right guide is Dr. Chilton taking Clarice through the bowels of the hospital and he's kind of um, gross and he's kind of like coming on to her. Um, and Yikes. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. It's a tango, isn't it? It's a tango. And we did a tango. If you have the right guide. Okay, so we're at the right guide, not the left guide. Yes, so you have been you've been tangoed around. So he's he's talked to Clarice about how to talk to Hannibal. The oh my god. Hannibal the Cannibal. And then we're moving into the song, If I Could Smell the yes. Cunt. He hissed at you. What did he say? He said, I can smell your cunt. What did you just say? You heard me. All the parents are like, shut up. <laughs> I'm so sorry, yeah. church friends. Sorry, everybody. He doesn't um, want to hear we'll the word cunt them. sung at them. Well, okay. Here's what I'll say it's a great, it's about a great word. the word cunt. It is supposed to be so shocking. And I think that goes back to, like, what makes a really good satire? What makes a good parody? And it's you say something completely shocking. So the fact that if he had said anything else, but if um, uh, I could smell your cunt is a line from the movie. Mm-hmm. By one of the by other, other inmates, multiple migs multiple down the uh, down the block, yeah. and said, "I can yes. smell yes. your cunt." And then oh, man. Hannibal asks Clarice, uh, "What did he say to you?" And that's what prompts this song, correct? Yeah, yeah I think it's um, it, it, you know it's it's it really is a love song, and mm-hmm. in the in the traditional sense of you know that this it's it's, a, it's really a song about friendship and like. Somebody connection. connection, somebody that finally that there's a, um, a a worthy not adversary as much as companion, you know, and um, and mm-hmm. that uh, he he doesn't trust he doesn't anybody trust, else. He doesn't trust children. No, he doesn't. Well, he certainly certainly doesn't trust anybody uh, in uh, sort of power and authority. And it's interesting because he says there's a, the line he says. He said that he could smell your cunt. I sadly could not. And he's he's like, he really he he wishes that he could smell her cunt figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. And um and mm-hmm. it's so it's this it's this so there's a it's not really a banter song but there's a little bit of banter in it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Of him sort of like, mm-hmm. oh she's mm-hmm. so great, she's so 
smart and so innocent, so innocent, everything about it. Just wish to smell her pussy, you know. And um, <clears throat> and, <laughs> but that's what happened. Yeah, her her something clam. What is it? Her bearded clam. Her bearded clam. The window to her soul. It's not disgusting. It's a metaphor. It's a more than just a hairy hole. If I could smell her cunt. And what I'll say about that song and every song in the show, we had so many conversations about comedy and and the source material is so dark and so frightening and so upsetting that you have to do it straight and doing it in the context of the show, but doing it with commitment and, um, yeah, and, it's and, not, you can't be and, and reality yeah. and not like I'm making a joke right now. I mean, it wasn't, um, it's sincere. You have to it's commit. Sincere, like, That's what made it. Yeah. Better. And it made it, it made it so much funnier. Yeah. And I had to be frozen too. I had to, I had to be frozen staring into the, into nothingness. And he would get so close to me singing. I have song. also, I would say like, how much were you fucking? With okay. Her? So here's the thing. Rachel and I essentially met each other performing on stage. That's, I mean, we, we met each other doing intergalactic nemesis. So, and, um, and we have done so many shows together. Yeah. And so I'm always trying to break with this show almost calls for it it almost asks it almost begs you yeah for, for one of the actors to break one of the other actors up and throughout the entire show so yeah if i could smell so tell me why is she wanting to talk to Dr. Le- Lecter? I was about to say Oh, Lester, yeah, I guess not right. Dr. Lecter. Um, so, okay. So, I mean, whatever. So her, uh, so the FBI director tasks her with finding out information uh, from Hannibal Lecter, you know, and in the original plot, it's kind of this underlying that he's driven by the idea of like, he'll talk to an innocent young woman. Um, and, uh, and he's kind, and, and the FBI director and Chilton and everybody is kind of using her in, in many ways, which Lecter sees through. Um, okay. So it, mm-hmm. and, and I really dove deep into this movie, by the way. Oh, did we mention? No, it's great. Buffalo Bill. I mean, there and is- so Buffalo Bill. So she. So Buffalo Bill. Uh, so the movie opens with a, a woman has been found, um, and her skin is missing uh, in several parts of her body. Uh, and she, and, and it's a kind of a calling card from this killer in the area. And it happens in, um, in Virginia, I think, or like not Virginia, but it happens kind of in the Northeast, uh, Northeastern part of America. And so they're finding these young women and they're all like in their twenties and they're all, uh, curvy women and the calling size 14, yeah, size 14 and up. And, um, Mm -hmm. the, uh, and, and, and their skin is missing. And so, uh, but, and the FBI cannot figure out what's going on. So the FBI director sends Clarice to uh, Hannibal, uh, who is one of the most infamous serial killers uh, in this world of of the novel and and the movie. Uh, But also one of the most brilliant. And a brilliant mind. And and if you really want to dive deep into this character, Mm -hmm. you can also watch the, all the films. Some of them are better than others. 
Um, and then Manhunter. Manhunter is the original one. And then Red Dragon. Red Dragon. Yeah, Red Dragon. Hannibal. Red Dragon. Hannibal Rising is terrible. Don't watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, then there's the series. And the series is, is <laughs> watch. Yeah, it. it's pretty good. And uh, there's some parts that are kind of boring, talky. But uh, when they get to the cannibalism, it's great. Um, so he's Hannibal the cannibal, and he <laughs> um, and he's this high class, like very well respected uh, uh, doctor. And uh, he has for years he for years he got away with kidnapping and devouring people. Uh, mm-hmm. With nice, a nice yeah. so, so if you've ever seen, yeah, if you've ever seen Anthony Hopkins' famous uh, uh, performance, mm-hmm. uh, I ate his liver with some fava beans, and nice candy. So the story, sorry. So, um, so she has to go interview Hannibal Lecter to try to find out uh, a pattern about uh, Buffalo Bill, who the, the media has um, uh, coined him as Buffalo Bill. And I don't remember why. I thought it was because he was in Buffalo. So she doesn't really find out a lot, but she gets, every time she visits uh, Hannibal, uh, Hannibal Lecter, she mm-hmm. uh, finds out a little bit more. He kind of drops more hints about who this murderer could be and his patterns and where he could be and the kind of person he's looking for. Um, because he, of course, is a serial killer. So he understands the mind of a serial killer. So that's mm-hmm. the plot. He's a, yeah. he's a profiler. He helps to profile then. the serial killer, basically. Okay. Um, yeah. It's... Like the OG Mindhunter. Yeah. OG Mindhunter, yeah. Yeah. Mind, yeah. Before mm-hmm. Mindhunter was Mindhunter. Yeah. Um, so that brings us into Papa <laughs> Starling. Starling. Clarice? Papa? Papa, is that you? We've learned a little bit about Buffalo Bill in the song, If I Could Smell Her Kind, or after If I Could Smell Her Kind. I'm sure we find out more about Buffalo Bill. But Papa Starling... Is Papa Starling and Clarice singing together? You want to? Yeah. So again, this is a really serious plot point uh, that Hannibal kind of digs up because he's obsessed with like the psychology and 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 uh, and and Clarice's like inner thoughts. And um, so in the movie, there's this very sad storyline about her relationship with her her father who is dead, and they make very light of it in the musical, obviously. Um, and uh, Papa Starling appears as a ghost to kind of guide her as like her guardian angel. I miss you so much, Papa. It's very lonely being dead. So Papa Starling comes in and just says, hey. Doesn't really move the plot forward much, but just says, I'm proud of you, baby girl. Keep going. Okay. So Papa's like, yay, baby girl, Mm -hmm. you're an agent to announce Clarice's, it's Agent Starling. Who would have thought I could make it this far in so little time? What's going on Uh, here? So uh, Hannibal gives her some hints about kind of like the next step, and it brings her to a storage unit where she finds a head in a jar. Oh, one of my favorite pops <laughs> of all theater history. Um, she finds his head and basically uh, helps, it, it moves the plot forward that uh, these murders are connected and, and uh, she's able to profile a little easier. The song also has a part where she um, is, is looking at the dead body, which was one of my... Um, uh, oh, during the autopsy during the autopsy scene 
And that's where she finds mm-hmm. the the moth in the throat, which is a really famous part of the movie. The death's head. The death's moth. head moth, mm-hmm. and 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 basically figures out that, um, and she goes back to Hannibal eventually to ask about that. Um, she wouldn't have been able to solve mm-hmm. the mystery without Later Hannibal, on like and- really, like no. yeah, right. He knows, he knows a lot about serial yeah. killers and their minds yeah. and how they work. It's Then we get to see one of my favorite songs. Well, not really. Are you about a size 14? Oh. How rude, Chelsea. Rude. Superficial people. I don't think looks matter. A woman who look good on me. Say, are you about a size 14? And we hear Buffalo Bill singing about how he selects his women yeah. that he's going to fillet. Yeah. yeah. Are you about a size yeah. 14? At first I was thinking it was like shoe size. I'm like, yeah. that's yeah. Is that correct. And I listened to the song and I was like, Oh nope, that's, that's pant size. And it's literally my pant size. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. uh, as someone who is a size 14, like I really like, and I had to make fat jokes in the show too. Like in, 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 uh, um, agent Starling, I had to make lots of fat jokes and I, I'm a curvy lady and I'm a size 14. So, um, and, and Chaney and I would have these conversations too about like, uh, about owning your curves and being able to joke about like in a way that's um, funny and, and healthy if you're an actor on stage doing it, like, and respecting people around you. And so. Are you about a size? His plan was worth no weight. He's got her in his truck. She took the bait and now she's out of luck. Anyway, it, which is weird because it, it is so insulting to uh, curvy women. <laughs> it's so And then Shaney has to do a quick change into Senator Martin and the mother for the next song. Yeah, so Senator Martin, Senator Martin is the mother. Is the mother. And so, yeah. Is so, the mother. Okay. Which probably the song would have yeah. showed if you read into the context of it. So, <laughs> yes. I was like, it's literally... <laughs> sorry, sorry, context clues, Chelsea. I'm speaking now to the person who is holding my daughter. This isn't your fault, and you aren't to blame. Chelsea it's a really hard drinking. song, too. Chaney totally rocked it, because um, it's a very challenging song with lots of beautiful mm-hmm. runs in it, and, and uh, it, it's... Uh, in the plot, of course, it's that Senator Martin is the mother of Catherine, and because she's a powerful woman, and I don't know if you guys know this about a modern day world, if you happen to be a powerful person, you are able to get things done. I had so, no idea. Never, had no, no, no but, clue. But, but, you're, but you're a woman. Yeah. But you, yeah. So then yeah. that just makes you a bitch. Exactly. Well, we all agree. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> don't we know? Uh, so yeah, that. Sorry, that's what I'm whining about. I mean, always. For sure. Forever. So the, she's asking, she's saying her daughter Catherine's name several times, with the, which is another plot point of the movie that um, Starling says, is, oh, it's so smart to say her name yeah. over and over again. It, it makes her, makes the, if, if he's listening to the, the, TV interviews, he is, whoever has my daughter is hearing her name and 
I'm telling yeah. stories about her and it's making she's her so seem smart. Like a real person she's and not smart. just an item. So, so smart. Very, very smart. We get into a quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. I need an answer. Is it yes or no? Quid pro quo. What's what's happening? Clarice there? comes to uh, um, yeah. lecture with uh, this request that, um, you know, he help her figure out who Buffalo Bill is. And um, and Lecter wants something in return from Clarice, which is, I mean, what is it ultimately that he wants? He wants her. He wants, he wants a, a he wants a better cell and a better prison, but also he wants to know more about her. That so there's two trade offs. Particularly, yeah. that, and he wants to he wants to see a tree, right? He's like, I just want to see a goddamn tree, see a tree or something. Yeah. Like yeah. a window would be great. That's kind of yeah. like the ruse, but what he really wants is for her to be willing to be uh, essentially interviewed or um, psychoanalyzed psychoanalyzed, because he knows that if gotcha. he can psychoanalyze her, he can get inside her brain and, you know, manipulate her. Figure her out. And so quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that's, is that's not a, that's not a tango, is it? Oh yeah. Is there all, is there, there's two tangos? It, it sounds kind of tango-ish. Yeah. Uh, they go yeah, back and yeah, forth a lot. It, it sounds but, like a dance. Oh, we, we tangoed kind of with the plastic yeah. divider between us. Well, Wayne Landon built that perfect. He built mm -hmm. that piece of plexiglass that we could pick up. Oh, it was great. And had a hole in it that we could see and talk to each other. Yeah. And Chris's like spit was all over it. I am famous. Yes, I am Dude. famous Rossi. for <laughs> actorplasm uh, oh, on stage. No. I am. I am like a fountain. <laughs> Just about as. Just as bad, uh, just about like as bad as uh, Jonathan Groff Jonathan made Groff. it famous, but you are the OG. <laughs> You're the OG. You're the OG. Oh, Spit your just face. Y'all <laughs> took a little intermission here um, because it sounds like Chris is fucking that mic up. He's so you like, have to go. I you have fuck to go. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, he did, that was a good segue. <laughs> thank I, you. Thank I you. fucked. I'm sobering a little bit. Mm -hmm. My makeup, said Chris. Uh, into the song after your intermission, I'd fuck me. Oh, yeah. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Which is Buffalo Bill and the ensemble. <laughs> This is one of the most famous lines in yeah. all of yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I'd fuck me. I mean, gotta give it to him. He has, yeah. he has high self-confidence. I'll be grateful, complacent, come back to my basement and fuck me. So hard. So Buffalo Bill, of course, is stealing the skin of these young women and sewing it together to make a uh, costume and he's obsessed with this idea of uh, transformation. And if you go into the movie and the book and everything, it talks about like the, the moth is uh, representative of uh, transformation because they find the, um, transformation. the, uh, the what is it called? Chrysalis. The chrysalis. Um, in their yeah. throat, right? Like shoved, mm -hmm. shoved. And, down and there's, and there's many people who uh, get Yuck. into like, Oh, well, this isn't, you know, this is really offensive to trans people, um, which is a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that Lecter even makes a point of saying, like, uh, he's not like your typical gay 
or, or trans person. Um, I don't remember exactly what the line is, mm-hmm. but, but um, yeah. because he's, he's, it's more about, as opposed to be, becoming a woman, it's about like the transformation of, uh, well, you can get into the whole like mythos if you want to. Off, uh, you can go to Wikipedia and look yeah. it up. On but your own time. On you your own time. time <laughs> on your own time. We don't have time to do that kind of research for you. Yeah, this, this song is it's creepy, so the way it starts, the way it. Yeah. And, and it's, but it's one of my favorites. It's, I'm like, oh. How many times can it's you sing catchy. fuck on stage? It's catchy. But from three states away, they're like, who can we hear? And Brian goes, it's, it's me. That's Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter and, and ensemble. ensemble. Remember the pen that I saw on the table? I ate it when no one was watching. Now I open my mouth and the pens are again. The security's right for the watching. I'll use it to pick the lock. So what's happening in It's Me? I don't even remember. Oh, so... You know, if he's like, it's my turn, it's me. So Lecter um, (laughs) negotiates to be moved to a better prison with the senator if he reveals uh, something about Catherine, about knowing something about Buffalo Bill and who he is. So it, again, is a ruse. And in the movie, um, again, go watch. It's so good. But there's this terrifying scene where he basically, like, uh, he drags, he somehow gets the two prison guards into his cell and attacks them, and he kills one. Bites their face. And then he rips off. the face off of one, and he disguises himself as the cop with the face and the, the cop outfit. This cop is already dead. You'll see. I'm wearing his face on my head. It's me. Shit. And just like scoop the he's brains like, out. He's like doing this like, hey, yeah. it's me. Yeah, it's like and the it's bad, like sneaking co- like the bad masks from Target. Yeah, yeah, and we did, um, and, and because uh, the director Chris Patton was really obsessed with this idea of uh, poor theater, is what we call it. This idea of like the audience is in on the fact that your props are really shitty and your costumes are like half-assed. Totally, my my aesthetic in yeah. my heart. Every show I want to do so, is happening. Yeah. So Tom Tom Stell and Taylor Stone Cipher played the two um, guards. And Tom was the one who had his face mm-hmm. cut off. So instead of an actual latex mask, uh, Chris Patton came up with the idea that we just get a, um, a paper cutout of Tom's face with the eyes cut out and just put it over Chris's face. <laughs> and so Chris could just be like, it's me. And that's, and that's honestly why I don't remember what's going on in this moment because the entire show- The gurney! It was You're me on the, gurney. on the gurney pretending to be dead with this face mask on. And I would just every yeah. once in a while pop up and sing, it's me, but there was so much plot-wise going on around me. It, mm-hmm. it was like this. It, there was glitter being thrown, and there was like oh, people with fake guns. And so much is happening. Yeah, it was. It was pandemonium, and it is absolutely like uh, the uh, the most exciting part of any um, opera where people are running around. There's like several different storylines, and um, and the whole ensemble was on stage except for me and and Brian. Uh, who were who were back in the dressing room getting re- ready for the next segment, um, but everyone else was just like it was it was fucking crazy. Yeah, for me it was the last thing I had to do for the show until my until the very last moment. So I would do yeah that because it's the escape, and I had I had the rest of the act off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, nice. That's the best kind of role. Take off your Tom Stell yeah. face and go backstage. have a whiskey backstage. Perfect. Perfect. Huh? <laughs> Which brings us into. Uh, 
I'm trying to think of a good segue for There's this. There's no segue so for this. So the like everything on stage, no everyone is dying physically because they've been running around. But Shut the really up. the truly the person who's gonna die is Catherine, Catherine who dies, dies today. today. Yeah. Thank you. God, that was terrible. <laughs> you thought I was here for nothing. But I got a role to play. I, that was my wine, remember? So Catherine yeah. dies today. Yeah. Great. Not the cats, but Catherine. Yeah. Unbeknownst to her, she's going to die today. So Buffalo Bill's yeah. been starving her in a pit of despair and making her skin looser. Uh, so he can easily kill her and get her skin off of her body and wear it as part of his costume. So unbeknownst to Catherine... She's gonna die today. Like this is Bill singing yeah, about this, it's, right? It's, well, it's it's the whole ensemble. It's kind of that magic moment in any musical. It's like one day more, where everybody comes together and you have all the storylines converge. What? Yeah, and and so Clarice knows because of like all the things that Hannibal has like revealed to her that this is a, this is part of the timeline where Catherine will be killed and skinned. And then so Catherine is singing in the pit. Pull that dress out and say, God damn, Clarice. He knew her. Catherine dies today. No more games to play. So this is why, getting back to one of your original questions about satire in musical theater, um, where silence is such a success, is it's not just mocking Silence of the Lambs, but it's mocking musical theater as a genre. And this number is... Yeah. Fulfilling yeah. a, uh, uh, so when you agree, it's fulfilling a necessary um, progression in musical theater is yep. like that as, as just it's like the, the montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's, we're getting the montage that okay. leads up to the climax. Like, yeah. Okay. We gotta, we gotta start wrapping it up. We're in act two. We've got to like move forward. So let's just say like, here's all the information you need to know from different characters who are in different locations and all of yeah, their all themes, themes combined. Numbers yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, the best singer gets the 11 o'clock number, and it's usually that they haven't had a solo up until mm-hmm. that point, right. and then they get some sort of killer song. So that's, that's very traditional musical theater um, to hand off the best song to the best singer in the show. That's, that's the star that you don't give a song till. That's why people came to the show. You do it in act two, so no one leaves <laughs> yeah, the intermission. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, wasn't it? Who is it in Cats? It's, that's what um, it is. Uh, it's, it's Memory in Cats. Which, Memory. Who, uh, yeah. That's good Mary old, uh, not Mary Martin. I don't know anything about musical theater. Uh, no so you put in a, a star for Catherine mm-hmm. Dies Today, but then Papa Starling comes out and goes, that's not how you say star, it's Starling. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm just making up segues that don't make any sense anymore, <laughs> which She's brings us drunk. into Papa. Sh- no, I'm not even drunk anymore. I'm just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a segue that yeah. kind of makes sense. So we go into Papa Starling's reprise. Hey, little lady, guess who's back? It's Papa Starling. Don't you cry. With Papa Sh- Starling, absolutely doesn't move the nah. plot forward at all. Does you know, it? What happens here? Papa Papa Starling yeah. and Clarice, they're uh, they're just singing about how much they. I love you, Papa. Love each other. Yeah. Yeah. I miss you. I miss okay. you. Oh, okay. Papa. That's it. Love you, Papa. Being dead. I won't give up, Papa. I won't. 
But then he goes, put the fucking lotion in the yeah. basket. Well, he doesn't, but Bill does. Okay, it's a segue, Chelsea. I'm oh. just trying to go with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> segu away. So I segue. So with Segu, she's feeling a little, uh, a little, uh, a little ashy. ashy. And Catherine Bill's like, I ashy. am too. Catherine and Bill are a little ash in the night. Mm-hmm. Put that fucking, that fucking lotion in the basket. Yeah. Purely this, just to help their elbows and knees. This is the number one thing that anybody remembers from... Uh, this is the line that yeah. people remember from the show. Right. Well, from the musical or from the, the movie is put it, it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. And then it puts the lotion in the basket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. That's essentially yeah. what the whole song is. Is that yeah. that line? Yeah. It, is that it? Really? it? That's it. And and it was made into a beautiful song, like a beautiful duet. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this when it's told. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose. And when it's done, there's one more thing, a simple little task. It's put the fucking lotion in the basket. Committing and being serious and and because it's, it's actually when you put it in the context of a musical, it is super stupid. It really is. This whole show is basically taking the iconic lines from the movie. I mean, back yeah. going back to uh, the uh, origins of Baltimore. The music, yeah. Baltimore is a nice town if you have the right guide. Is a literally a line taken from the yeah. the, the film, and it's a, just a, a mess when it comes to writing lyrics to writing a libretto. But they they sort mm-hmm. of like take yeah. that as a challenge. It's like we're going to take this line that is iconic yeah. and and turn it into a musical theater yeah. classic. Well, well, the Ka- uh, the Kaplan brothers actually originally posted on YouTube like 20 years ago, I want to say, and it was supposed to be a kind of a joke thing, like we created Silence the Musical and it was uh, and then I think they made it into like a short film or something like that. And then they ended up getting funding and getting Hunter Bell who was kind of like a hot ticket item at the time to write and adapt the show, mm-hmm. and it had a really long run off Broadway. Um, but it had started kind of as just like a fun thing to do on YouTube when YouTube was still pretty young. Put the fucking poodle in the basket. Put the fucking poodle in the basket. And then, so after we hear the, it puts the lotion on its skin, or it put the fucking lotion in the yeah. basket song, we get a little bit more from Catherine, we get a little bit more from Bill and his crazy self and then starling figures out somehow where bill is and where Catherine is located she thinks she yeah. knows right it, it it's a kind of a convoluted part of the story but basically through some clues um clarice figures out oh well i should go to this address uh because there's like a connection it was something to do with a Something about him being a, he was a seamstress for a, a seamstress shop. And, he, Bill used to be a... Summer. And so the FBI, uh, it's actually a really great moment in the movie. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. I don't want to... Yeah. I hate to spoil it, but I'm going to. And uh, that's what the point of our musical is. If you haven't seen this movie Classic by now, misdirection. Spoiler yeah. alert. And, and the FBI is going in with this massive group of, of, of people because they think they, they have the right address mm-hmm. and they know where Catherine is. And they break into this house and there's no one there. And the FBI's director like, oh, Clarice! And it's very like Home Alone where he's like, oh, fuck! You know, and he, um, and, and, and then you go to Catherine who rings the doorbell to this house 
and Buffalo Bill opens the door. So she has the right address and the FBI doesn't. Um, and then it goes into this whole amazing sequence uh, where she uh, takes down Buffalo Bill and uh, but has to kind of find him in the dark. But mm-hmm. but we're going in is a super stupid song that kind of takes that beautifully shot, like high art, like super drama moment and makes it into like the stupidest ensemble song ever. We're going in, we're going in. There's no one here, there's no one here. There's no one And they all had these fake guns that I think were like mix, like mixed media, like Nerf guns and things like that, because we decided to go yeah. like not realistic right. at all. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that. and they you. came in with these, you know, and then there's no one here. And it's just like, and they're all just happy and marching. <laughs> and, and it's like the typical musical theater. But while after that song's done, we get into the song In the Dark with a Maniac, which is where Clarice yeah. is, is in the house of Buffalo Bill. Yeah. She goes in and then he turns the lights off. It's like pan yeah. to Buffalo Bill. Oh, pan my God. Over to Buffalo Bill. Who turned out the lights? It's totally black. Just keep it together. You're not going to crack. These goggles I'm wearing make everything green. I can practically fuck her without being seen. I'm creeping around in the dark with a I thought you were about to say she's in the dark with a man. No, I'm like that's still well accurate, accurate but, it's but a not maniac. As, it's not as exactly a maniac. He basically says I could fuck her and she wouldn't even know yeah. I'm here. It's he. I think that's a lot. Is that how small he is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, oh shit! But it is again a terrifying part of the movie where Jodie Foster is in the dark and you and she can't see anything. And, and you're seeing it from his point of view because he's got night vision goggles on, so you're seeing it through this filtered green light. And it's terrifying. And in the musical, of course, I didn't have a gun. I, I had my fingers, so I was doing this. <laughs> finger guns. I finger guns. Oh, that's yeah. right. And uh, so I was I in the dark. Finger and she famously in the movie is like, terrified and like you just see her eyes in the dark and she's like scrambling and she's pointing her gun everywhere and so that's what I was trying to emulate we didn't have real um uh, night vision goggles we had a a a stereo viewer what are those red toys called viewmaster viewmaster and I hot glued them to some goggles no It's a hard song. By the way, it was a really, it was the hardest song for us to learn because of how tricky uh, the overlaps and the runs and just how hard the song is to sing and to come in at the right part. Mm-hmm. Another um, reason why this is such a good musical satire is that it's also, okay, so it's making fun of the source material, it's making fun of the genre, and it's not easy. It's fucking hard. It's really hard music. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a, like... They do it like do full real life. You, you have to be yeah. a professional yeah. actor. Yeah. You got to know yeah. your shit. And even though some of the songs sound fairly similar to each other, they all have their own thing. Which is so much worse. Which is sounds so, so much worse. Yes. Yeah. They've, they've got a lot of thematic similarities, but yeah, it's, oh, oh yeah. that's a hard musical. Mm-hmm. And then 
that After song all of that rush wait, and crazy oh it ends yeah. with the gunshot and, right and, and the death of uh spoiler alert the death of buffalo bill because uh clarice kind of fires blindly into the dark and and kills him uh buffalo bill has a beautiful last line where he gets to die just like and he took fucking forever can i just say like was yeah. like anything but he silent. milked that for everything. It was not that any of us milked things on stage. Never. There was no, no. no we're not cows over here. I guess we're just the farmers. I'll <laughs> just say there was no scenery left at the end of that show. Unchewed. No scenery. <laughs> and um, and Brian got this great like um, last line. I don't remember what he's saying, but he's saying he it. Said, from he the said, I'd, "I'd I'd fuck me, didn't he? I'd fuck me, and yeah. he died. I'd fuck yeah. me." Page 433. <laughs> Silence. Silence. Reprise finale, which is the same song as, yeah. as the beginning. Yeah. So Clarice is, is, is admitted into the FBI officially. She's celebrated. She's like, she gets this, like, the whole, like, uh, academy's like, oh, my God, she's so great. And she's a woman. Like, what? And that's not. Who would have thought? Um, so it ends with the ceremony of her, like, becoming a full FBI agent and being, like, appreciated and respected. And then she gets a phone call, and uh, and it's Lecter, who has gone to South America to chase down Dr. Chilton, who has, as soon as, as Lecter escaped back in It's Me, Chilton leaves because he knows Lecter's coming after him. So, so shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that character exists. Isn't he, like, in a Bermuda <laughs> yeah. shirt? And uh, weren't you in a hat and a Bermuda mm-hmm. shirt like or something shirt at the, the end of that? Bermuda hat. Yeah. yeah, and, and yeah. it's just... Again, Bermuda hat. very yep. famous line in a movie where Anthony Hopkins is watching Chilton get off a plane and he's like, I'd I'm t- having a friend ha- for dinner. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's it. it and, and that's how the movie ends is with Lecter following Chilton into a crowd and, uh, and, and it goes dark uh, with Jodie Foster like, Dr. Lecter, Dr. Lecter. And of course, they make fun of it in the musical because she says it like twenty times. <laughs> Doctor Lecter. Which brings us to the end of yeah. Silence the Musical, and all those Jeez. lamb chap puppets yeah. go into storage. Well, they went to the actors. All well, the actors yeah. took theirs home. Rapid fire question segment. First thing, top of your head. Answer is ready. Okay, you pumped. Go ahead. So this is a patron question sent in from patron Noah. What's the craziest slash worst slash OMG is this really happening right now moment you've had on stage? Oh, God. I've been on stage my entire life, so there's just literally, literally so many of them. Which one? Oh, the infinite loop of terror. Yeah, it's a, the, the worst of all time is the infinite loop of terror. Uh, the intergalactic nemesis is a, tr- or was a trilogy of uh, graphic novels that we presented live on stage. It was a, it was a tricky one. <clears throat> and I got into act two and uh, I was playing the hero and the villain. And I got 
confused in terms of the progression. That's the, the climax. Yeah. And so basically this, the way this, this piece of theater happened is uh, it's all on the script. There's no improvisation allowed. It has to move forward because all mm-hmm. of these disparate elements coming together. And I got us into a loop where I jumped about 20 pages and then went back about 20 pages and everybody <sighs> including the stage manager and the, and the, and the, and the live composer and the Foley artist and the voice actor, we're all working together. If anything goes wrong, there's really nothing to do except get back onto the the track, which is the script. And I couldn't do it. And it it went on for about, um, it went on for about probably a minute, which Which is forever on stage is an eternity. I'm going like, I'm doing the transformation and realize I don't know where I'm at. Over and, and I over. just start just gutturally growling and improvising lines. <laughs> saying like, oh, it's yeah. an intergalactic nemesis. <laughs> like I'm saying the title of the show as my improvisation, the ad lib. Terrible, terrible. Looking at all of my fellow actors on stage, like the stage manager with and Jesse Douglas going, Help. Jesse Douglas going, oh my God, what are you doing? And looking over at the Foley artist who's like, I don't, I can't help you. And the com- composer who was playing the piano and Kenny Reddick was smiling at me and just like, you've got this. And my, <laughs> just improvising a score under me, making up stuff. And finally we got back to it and we got back and we call it the infinite loop of terror because for that 60 seconds, none of us on stage knew what the fuck was happening or how to get out of it. Rachel, Rachel, yeah. I have a question for you. Which Disney princess are oh, you? Oh, shit. Yzma. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yes. Wait, uh, Chris, I have a question for yeah. you. Which Disney princess are you? I don't know. I've not really watched any Disney movies. Rachel, oh, Rachel what Disney what princess, Disney princess is Chris? <laughs> What princess would he be? The one under the undersea the one, one. What's the, the Little Mermaid? Yeah, the undersea. Ursula? Not the princess, but the evil witch. Ariel, the princess. Oh, Ursula. Oh, Ursula. I don't think I'm any princess. I don't think She's I'm like any they're princess. there. You'd be my Kronk. Our Isma, you'd be Kronk. Okay, this is for both of you guys at the it's, same time. At the same time, it's word association. When we say this thing, you're going to just answer. You ready for it? At the same time. At the same time. Let's Here both we go. Answer together. Together. This ready. is this is it. This Don't is... be confused. Ready? Ready, Emily? I'm ready. A, A five, six, six, seven, eight. Shlomio, Shlomazel, Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. Doing it again. Wow. <laughs> Rachel, that was such a great harmony that you had in there. It was very, very silent and subtle. Silent. You even know what I'm doing? Do <laughs> of course I do. That's a, a McLean and Shirley. <laughs> Shirley and McLean. Oh. Do you, Laverne. Want to do, it again? Laverne Laverne. do you want to do it again? You want to do, do it again? again? Do you want to be answer? involved in it? Okay, yeah. Oh, five, six, seven, eight. Dun, 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 dun. Ready? What is your favorite swear word? Cunt. My favorite swear word? Motherfucker, I think. Motherfucker. And then this is this is for us. Who do you know who we should interview on Wines and Dolls? I really, all of the the smaller theater companies that I worked with, because I tended to work with like the black box, like flying by the seat of our pants mm-hmm. kinds of theater companies back in the day. Um, I don't know if many of them exist anymore. So I think that the ones that are independent companies uh, keep keep them alive, you know? Help. Did you guys reach out to Sean Ramos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked with Sean. Yeah, Sean is uh, and, and, and Gibby's awesome. on his uh, podcast too. I know. Yeah, we talked about you while he was on here. What did What did he say All about? Things, I'll fucking kill him. What did he say about me? <laughs> I think that's what he said. That you'd fucking right. kill him. He'd, he'd fucking. Yeah, or that you, you killed would, it. You, would, you fucking killed you kill, it. Something was being killed, and Some, I don't know who and what it was. Somebody was fucking something and killing things. Killing I know. Something fucking something. That's fucking their Thanksgiving something. talk, Chelsea. <laughs> oh, that's right. <what> uh, <laughs> and if you all were to come back onto Wines and Dolls, what would you want to cover? I love, I just, I think see, here's the thing. Doing like, theater on a budget. Mm. <laughs> I know that seems really boring, but like, Again, like what, what Chris said, like that idea of like doing theater with nothing and so many people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the renaissance of Houston really was seeing those theater companies that popped up. I think just... it's the way theater should be done. I'm, not, I'm just going to go out and say, it. OK, for example, when, um, you know, SRO got very well known for doing big musicals in a small scale, in a small space. And then we moved up here to Harrisburg and... Um, Open stage has virtually about the same size, slightly larger than than. Um, yeah, Stadium's eighty-eight seats. Uh, open stage had twenty-five. Yeah, I sell tickets. And yeah. So, and so uh, Rachel <laughs> re- directed a production of Ragtime in that space, right? And Ragtime, mm-hmm. obviously known as a big spectacle musical, usually a cast of a uh, hundred, you know, and just you know, tons of people, and. I've seen it and it's great. It's beautiful music, but I've never been so moved by it as the production that we did at Open Stage because you were right there in front of the actors and and you were so close to it. And you don't need a you don't need a helicopter that drops in from the uh, from the mm-hmm. from the loft. You don't need a chandelier that crashes. You don't need that's not what moves people. What moves people is watching an actor go through something vicariously experiencing an actor being vulnerable. Amen. Ooh, yes. And with that, I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. And we're, we're the, the world famous Giblansons. <laughs> and this has been Wines and Music on today's episode is from Silence the Musical, original cast recording. This was recorded in 2011 by Ghostlight Records and distributed by New Razor and Thai Enterprises. It can be found on Spotify link in bio.